You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Let me first introduce uh, our guest to the people. It's Little Daddy Roth. People of a certain age group would know the Roths. His dad was Big Daddy Roth, the creator of Rat Fink and all the classic hot rod. He was the style innovator for back in the 60s, making those really funky, like, Munstermobile hot rods. And he had Rat Fink. The, the, uh, you remember the little kid clip, those stickers, the Rat Fink stickers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was little enough, I think, at the time that I didn't understand what they were all about. Right. Well, you know, it was a, a nasty little Mickey Mouse, you know, uh, that kind of grew out of the hot rodding scene. Yeah. Um, started printing those in like 63. They made the little keychains first, you know, all the kids had the keychains. And then, and then, of course, Ravel made the models of the cars. Yeah. Well, I, I remember seeing them when I was young. Um, I, I didn't know what they were about, but I knew they were up to no good just by looking at them. <laughs> right. Well, it, you know, it kind of came back because when my dad, uh, did uh, an album cover for the Stray Cats. He put a little rat pink on the back. And there was so much response to it that he had to quit the job that he had then at Knott's Berry Farm. He was the art director and go back out on his own and be Big Daddy again. Was he most known for rat pink or for the hot rods he built? I would say mostly for the hot rods he built. Like right now in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, there's a, uh, you know, at the Corvette Museum, there's a big display of all of our old cars there because the guy that designed Corvettes, uh, said, hey, you know, my big influence was seeing Ed Roth's uh, Hot Rods and, you know, the Beatnik Bandit and the Outlaw and stuff like that at Autorama in Detroit when he was a kid. And then he grew up and started designing Corvettes, and he, got, he goes, you know, so they have a big thing going on right there for the for full year, I think it is, down there in Kentucky. Yeah, because um, this whole Hot Rod background is kind of germane to why, you have you, why we're having you on the show today to where you had your experience. Well, I would say... Uh, Right around in 2005 or six, I went to Germany with Robert Williams. Uh, you know, we were invited to go to a car show for Smoke and Shutdown magazine. And they said, hey, there, there's a car show down here in the Violum Rhine uh, near the Swiss border. And, you know, can you guys come and, you know, be a part of it? Yeah, we can. You know, so we went there and he goes, hey, if you want to stay an extra week, we're, we're going to Finsterwald next weekend. And uh, there's an old drag race there at this old Russian uh, air base. And so, yeah, they go, yeah, yeah, we want to go to that, too. So we, we drove back from Switzerland up to Berlin and, you know, did all the things for a week. And, you know, Robert Williams, I don't know if you saw his documentary, but he's really knowledgeable about a lot of stuff, man. You know, he's just not a this insane painter. Uh, you know, even though he is, he's probably one of the best painters. You know, Stanley Mouse said he's the best painter in the world right now alive, so. But it's hard to gauge. But, you know, he knows a lot about German stuff. We'd be standing by the Reichstag. He'd be telling us all this stuff. and You know, just history of Germany. And I go, hey, Bob, have you been here before? He goes, no, never been here. You know, he's, <laughs> he's just like uh, real knowledgeable. So we jump in these guys' hot rods, and we, we jump out to this old Russian air base, and it's in a place called Finsterwald. It's, you know, behind the old wall over in uh, East Germany there. And he goes, uh, we're going to an old Russian air base. I go, okay, cool. That's, you know. So when we get there, uh, that's when I kind of had my encounter. You know, well, I didn't encounter it. We just saw it. It's really an eerie feeling, you know. Black Forest? 
Yeah, yeah, it's not in the Black Forest, but, you know, it, there's a lot of places in Germany where the forest is so thick, dude, that, you know, it, it looks like the Black Forest, but they don't call it the Black Forest. That's mostly in Bavaria. But, you know, it's kind of eerie looking, you know, all the moss growing on the roofs and stuff. And we drive up and I go, well, this isn't a Russian air base at all. This is an old Nazi air base. You know, this was built in the 30s or 40s. You know, there's mm. cobblestone all, everywhere. There's those kind of hangars that uh, they built uh, back during the war that had, uh, you know, they were just like dirt piles. And then they put rebar over them and and uh, poured concrete and dug all the dirt out. They were huge buildings built for like ME-109s and ME-262s and stuff. But they were having this hot rod event there. And the tower was the uh, tower for the drags. And they were running cars down the drag strip. And so me and Bob stayed there all day. But. When we first got there in the morning, this is what tripped me and Bob out. Like we just looked at each other because you know I don't know maybe you know growing up in Rossville, you know it's like you were from a different planet, you know because I was brought up free thinking and like you know anything's possible, you know what I mean. And uh, but when me and Bob saw this, you know thing cross in front of us over on that little forest dirt road leading to this like secret Russian airbase that was really a Nazi place. Um, it was it was large and it was uh, big, but it, it looked like it had more uh, uh, length in the thighs and, and in the torso, you know, and longer arms. But like, you know, and there's not, this isn't a place where no, you know, giant's going to be wearing a ghillie suit or nothing like this, man. But th that's kind of like exactly what we both saw, you know, uh, on that trip to, uh, but so it wasn't, uh, like a thing like, hey, whoa, it, it was like, this is just another thing in life that, uh, you know, you see and uh, a lot of people may not even think about that. But, you know, I'm, my dad's from Utah. He totally believed in the Bigfoot. As a matter of fact, we built a car once, Bobo. Um, it was called the Captain Pepe's Motorcycle and Zeppelin Repair, and it has a motorcycle on the back. And then later on in the 80s, we redid it. But when we first built it in the 60s, dad put an M on the grill, if, if, you know, if you Google a picture of that car. And, I, you know, that M was the M because we were going to name that car the missing link because that's how much dad, like, I don't know what your Jerry crew knew what to do and got the footprint and all that. But <laughs> you know, uh, dad knew about the missing link. You know, he thought it was an organ. Uh, that car was going to be named the Missing Link until Robert Williams came up with that other name, Captain Pepe's Motorcycle and Zeppelin Repair. It was right around the, you know, the Beatles time, so 67, 68. And then uh, later on, when we redid the car, we renamed it the Mega Cycle because it already had that M on the grill. But I, I told Dad, you know, after we named it uh, Captain Pepe's early in the 60s, I go, well, what are you going to tell people about that M on the grill? That And Dad goes, just tell them it stands for Maywood. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, from Maywood. That's where we live. Because you told when I talked to you before a long time ago about it, you like went into a lot of detail on it. Like the sun was actually shining on it. Wasn't it on the edge of the forest? Yeah, it was like you know the, it's thick forest all around there, Bobo. But you know you know how they uh, like take out a lot and they'll grow that uh, corn or just have a pasture there. You know, part of the time of the year. So, but that's what I'm saying is like it. What didn't look like you know it was like a you know, it looked more like it could have had dreads on it or something. You know what I mean? So it, it was, you know, it was kind of like.
when you saw it, you knew that this was something that, you know, you have never seen before. You know what I mean? There was no explaining. Yeah. So to back up a little bit. So you were, um, I'm, I'm gathering this is near the border of, of uh, Poland. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't know my, I don't know my German geography very well. So yeah. I'd like to back up a little bit and just kind of give me the context in the setting. So you were there, um, at this old Nazi airbase basically for a, a yeah. car show of some sort, um, near the Polish border and you were driving down a dirt road or something or what, what were yeah, you doing? We at the got off the Autobahn, like it was three hours or three and a half hours out east of, uh, dirt, uh, Berlin. And so we get off the Autobahn and we're driving, you know, because this place is kind of secluded. I can't remember the name of the airbase, but it was in Finsterwald. And uh, that that's where, you know, like, I, I don't know how to put it, like uh, how it looks back there. It kind of looks like pasture comes right up to the forest. You know how it is in, in Germany, yeah. uh-huh. those places, you know. You know, I don't even know what to call it a creature or, or whatever, but it's just, you know, passes like right before us and doesn't look at us or nothing. But. You know that it's like, you know, it's something like what I, I told Bobo about. Uh, you know, I can't even remember, you know, exactly how much detail I gave him. But when you saw him walking, you knew that, like, his arms were longer. Uh, he had more, like, length, you, you know, in his legs and torso. And his hair, like I said, it was more like a matted, uh, like if you would, I don't know, thrash up a bunch of burlap bags and put it all over your body or something. You know, like I was saying, like a ghillie suit or something like that you know but mm-hmm. it but from where you know we saw it maybe i don't know 100 100 feet you know it was pretty quick gone you know because like we looked you know when we drove past we were in a 32 Ford too and when we drove past we were looking that way and it was like holy moly you know we just looked at each other did you see what i saw yeah i saw that you know <laughs> and uh what time of day was it or or night it was it was like uh 10 o'clock in the morning but it was kind of foggy you know, okay. so, you know, when we got off the, I was going to say interstate, but the Autobahn, you know, it was like, boom, you know how it is over there. You get into a little village real quick, you know, and then we're just driving through this little, this mm-hmm. little village that looked pretty funky and depressed. And then we drove through there and then we got on this country road from there that looked like we were going to a farm. And then it opened up into this, you know, giant airfield in the middle of the forest. And while we were driving, you know, from that little village in to that dirt road, that's, you know, right where we saw a boosh kind of, you know, going right across. And I, was, I probably shouldn't have got out and, I, and, you know, but I was so stunned, you know, but I mean, it was like, Hey, just stop the car. It was like, Oh no, don't stop the car. Let's just keep going. We know what it is. You know, don't. <laughs> how big would you guesstimate it? Like, was it built like a football player or a basketball player, or like a human, like, or is it like, no, a- I- well, Bobo, how you are kind of now, like, um, you know, skinnier, but if you had a suit on and right. you had like stilts on or, you know, leg extensions in your thigh, because from the knee down, it looked like, you know, hey, that could be the correct deal, but you can, you know, the correct length. But on that same, if you're grafting that the same, it looked like there was a lot more in the thigh and the arms were longer, but I couldn't tell where the elbows were at. So, you know, could you see muscle? No, I just saw that, you know, the mostly the finish of it you know the fur that burlap sack looking stringy you know brownish color like a burlap sack cliff what what uh ancient hominids had uh 
longer thigh bones. Well, you know, um, I don't know off the top of my head, but there's a couple interesting things going on that uh, he's noticed. Um, obviously, the, the the arm length, the leg length is something that jumped out to him. Um, he also commented about how the torso seemed a little bit long. We often get that in Sasquatch reports. Not always, but very often. But something really subtle that uh, he has noticed that very few people have ever brought up but is absolutely true about Sasquatches is this um, upper leg to lower leg ratio that you're talking about. Uh, the fancy name for that is a crural index, C C R U R A L, I believe, crural index. Um, and the Patterson Gimlin creature, for example, has a very weird crural index. Bill Munns talks about this, um, that uh, – its curl index is way off the charts for humans, except for a, a small pocket of Inuit people in northern Canada. Um, uh, they, they tend to be shorter and squatter uh, a pe- type of person, um, and their curl index is similar to the Patterson-Gimlin film creatures. But the fact that uh, um, his descri- your description here is like, oh, yeah, yeah, the top, the, from the knee to the waist is a lot weirder looking than underneath – that's a very subtle observation that very, very few people would probably make, and and it totally jibes 100% with what we know about Sasquatches, whether this is a Sasquatch or not. This is a Sasquatch-like creature. Um, this part of the world, um, I think, probably does have Sasquatches, certainly, but they might have other things roaming around, too, like those Almas or Almasties or whatever you want to call them. Um, any, any, sort of, uh, any number of relic hominoids could be living over in that part of the world, since we know Neanderthals and therefore probably Heidelbergensis and other animals like that lived there um, not that long ago. How, how so, would you compare it to the PG, to the Patterson-Gillen film, Daddy? Well, um, I would say that the colors, you know, the colors uh, th- that day, you know, how it, the sun was on it. So I could tell it was that brown color. And, um, you know, I don't know how thick that uh, coating was on them. Like, you know, if it was one, two or three inches. So I couldn't tell you the size of it. But like uh, Cliff was saying, you know, I could tell totally that in his thigh, you know, he had more length in that and, you know, in his torso. Um, but very, you know hairy but ratty looking you know like real mm, you know like i said kind of maybe you know just unkept uh deal but just so big you know bigger and not built like a football player bobo but you know on top like you know with shoulders but not like you know ball buffed out or nothing and uh longer arms but like i said i couldn't tell exactly where his elbow was at in his arms because they were kind of straight you know and just boom, 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 maybe like, you know, three steps across in the light into, you know, across the road and into the forest. You know? Another interesting observation. You said you couldn't tell where the uh, elbows were. The arms were kind of straight. Well, if you look at the way Patty walks in the Patterson-Gimlin film, that's very, very similar. Yeah, she does bend her arms, of course, you know, but generally speaking, even in the famous three uh, frame 352, her arms are more or less outstretched straight. Um, so that's another interesting, subtle observation. Yeah. And it, and it would be pretty hard to find anyone whose arms, you know, like are just almost to their knees or something. You know what I mean? That that's, those are really long arms. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, you know, that, that was a, that was a real, a real eye opener. You know what I mean? I that, like I said, I grew up, you know, pretty much free thinking, believing everything, it, it, you know, mostly. You know, but I've seen so much stuff, you know what I mean, <laughs> Cliff? I've mm-hmm. seen so much, so that it's not, you know, 
out of the realm of like, hey, you know, I've seen one. You know, I think I have. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a very unusual place. So there's not a lot of uh, sightings that come out of there at all. I have a couple things, I think, from the Czech Republic, I believe. Um, yeah. It's not that far away from uh, your general area. Then you got to figure out, like, you know, how much is going to be coming out of a little, you know, suppressed village in the middle of the forest. And, you know, maybe, you know, they all know about it and keep themselves don't even talk about it. You know, who knows? Like, you know, coming from a big city, you never know about a little village like that i i i certainly know i i didn't ask any of the locals but maybe i should have said hey man you guys ever had any sightings out here yeah that would have been interesting they probably would have said oh yeah we see those why right yeah like <laughs> exactly because they were watching the races inside those big giant hangars and stuff and you know i was signing posters and trying to make some money that day so but that would have been cool i should have done that you know uh but i just didn't think about it Hey, everybody, this is Cliff. And this is Bobo, and we're from the podcast Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not what like, your neighbor or roommate or some fool down the hall or some jerk on some other Bigfoot website is listening to. Everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And they also sound just as amazing as any other top brand out there. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass for those Ohio howls, and a more compact design that gives you a nice, noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts, or more importantly, reviewing audio from your Bigfoot field research. So when you're reviewing those audio sounds, you can hear the entire spectrum from the low lows to the really high-pitched screams. These are perfect for Bigfoot needs and compact so you can take them to the field. Raycon wireless earbuds have been a game-changer for me. I can sit there and listen for hours and hours now and not be uncomfortable. It's the first pair I've ever found that can do that for me. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems to distract anybody during those video calls. You've heard us talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and other celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, etc. Pick up a pair and see what the hype is all about. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash cliffbobo. That's buyraycon.com slash cliffbobo for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash cliffbobo. Didn't you say it looked more like a caveman than the PG film? Yeah, I mean, you know, with a, a you know a squatter little forehead, but you know, like I said, dude, at a hundred feet, you know, and we're driving in a chop coop, you know. I, I know what I saw, you know what I mean. So, but it's just uh, hard to explain because of that uh, coating it had on it. You know what I mean? Whatever its coat was. Well, what about the forehead? You just mentioned the forehead. Yeah, well, it didn't look like you know. I don't know if your head was like down low a little bit, you know, and, you know, maybe your forehead was uh, like you had a um, like sloped. 
Well, I didn't notice it that much because that the coating, you know, because there, there was there was this coating on him everywhere. Was the hair thicker in other places like the head? Not really. It looked like like pretty even all over. And, you know, so I couldn't distinguish like no ears on it or any of that. It was just like an even coating on the whole body. And you, you saw that face from the profile, right, from the side? Yeah, but we'll see it ran in front of us. Yeah, it ran in front of us. So, the you know, like I said, but those three steps, boom, boom, boom. You know, I could tell they're, you know, I don't know how those things, you know, they probably, I don't know if they just shed or what the deal is, but it kind of reminds me of this dog I had that, that just shed off in big clumps. You know what I mean? His his coat would get like three feet long, and then it would just come off in big, giant clumps. And that's kind of like the finish it looked like it had on it. You know what I mean? But only that burlap, sacky-looking stuff that's been, you know, a little mangy. Did the face look flat to you, like flatter than a human, or did it seem like the like there was like a job, like a, almost like a slight well, muzzle looked? You know, it obviously was, did have, you know, eyes and a nose and a mouth, but not enough to distinguish to where, you know, you could say, oh, hey, you know, that's the head of a Cro-Magnum man or something. I don't know. Because like I said, the coating was all over clothes. I, I couldn't even distinguish an ear from the side, you know. Being unfamiliar uh, with this, with most of the, like, the minor geographies, I guess, of, of Germany, um, what are, I know it was forested, but are there mountains there? It was kind of a little hilly, like it would be like in, uh, you know, Missouri. You know, Missouri's a lot like uh, Germany. Huh, okay. I never really thought of it like that, but how, how so? Well, because, you know, you, you drive into like, uh, you know, you can drive down into a little foggy valley and come out of it, and, you know, drive. It, it's all, it's, it's hilly. You know, a lot of Germany is mountainous, but this is just the hilly part. It's not like you know, driving through California Central Valley where it's just fog all the way through the Central Valley. You know, in Germany, you drive in and out of it. It can be, you know, like in the lower spots and stuff. So, uh, you know, a lot of times in Germany, you know, uh, ride with your uh, wipers on because just the water in the air sitting there, you know, from the fog. You know, this was like in East Germany where I'd never been before. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when we went over there, you know, I just had my eyes wide open checking out everything because I just love that kind of stuff. Yeah, when we saw that, it was like, whoa, there is Bigfoots over here as well. There's, they're everywhere. If you see one there where they don't have very many sightings, who knows why they don't have sightings? Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. That's where I saw mine. It's it just like, you know, hey, you wouldn't think about seeing uh, UFOs in Kansas. You know what I mean? Or you know maybe more in Ohio or California, but they're those are they're everywhere too. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> you ever seen the UFO, Daddy? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, you know, one night me and Big Daddy were going down the road to a car show, and I was towing behind him a car, and our CBs went crazy. You know, they just started doing squelch static, and then uh, we saw like out of the Kansas Prairie these three lights shoot up and they all stopped at different levels and sat there for about two seconds. And then they all just zoomed out to the right. And it was like, then the radios came on back on. And I mean, every driver, every truck driver around there was just going, man, did you see that? And it was like, Oh yeah, we all saw it. You know, our radios went dead when it happened. Wild. Yeah. It's so, you know, 
like I said, I grew up a free thinker. Dad would always tell us that if something this way or it says something in a history book like that, he goes, you know, the winners wrote history. And he goes, and if something's a different way other than you think it is, what makes you think it isn't that way? Right? Right, so, right. Question your own beliefs, I guess. Right, right. I, I got in trouble one day because I, Dad, I come home from school and Big Daddy goes, what'd you learn in school today? I go, I learned that parallel lines never touch each other. It's just like a railroad track. You go up behind the moon, go everywhere, and those lines will never touch. And he goes, well, that that's not true. He goes, you don't know what happens behind the moon. Oh, man. So, right, I go back to school the next day, third grade, got my hand up, Mrs. Henderson. Hey, uh, you know, you don't know what happens behind the moon. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my mom told me that day, you know, because like she was the president of the PTA. I come home, she goes, but she must have heard about it, right? She goes, look, I want to tell you something. She goes, when you're at school, just learn what they tell you by the books, right? And don't repeat anything dad says. It's not, that, <laughs> it's not that dad's wrong, but just don't repeat anything he says. So like a third, I'm glad I learned that in third grade, not fourth, fifth, and sixth, you know, when I was just like, you know, because that, but by then I, I, I knew that, you know, you could build your dreams just from, you know, plaster and fiberglass and, you know, you, you all, you are what you make yourself to be, you know, and, um, you know, it was that kind of free thinking that dad had that, you know, I just try to keep that as well. I've never really kept it myself. No. And when people ask me, I said, Oh yeah, I seen it. You know, I've seen this, I've seen that. I've seen a lot of things, Cliff, you know, <laughs> some things yeah. you don't want to see, right? <laughs> we're all subjected to, to what we're subjected to. So, um, okay, this really seemed to phase you that much. Bubba just asked if you've seen a UFO, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, and then rattled that off. Um, what's one of the things that you have seen that does rattle you, that kind of you know shakes your foundation a little bit, like ghosts or anything like that, or, or some sort of uh, animal that you didn't think could or well, should exist or yeah. anything like that? I'll tell you, not in real life, but I'll tell you, I've had some wicked dreams that, you know, like you're going, man, I have got to wake up out of this one somehow. You know what I mean? If you can even think like when you're asleep, uh, but nothing that I've seen in my life except for UFOs and that, like ghosts and spirits, you know, they could be around me all the time and, and I wouldn't even know it because, you know, I'm just busy. You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> yeah. they, could, you know, they, they could be around me all the time. And, you know, maybe I'm just not locked in or tuned into that stuff because I drive through Goldfield a lot on the way to Bud's. And I know there's supposed to be a lot there, you know, um, in Nevada on that 95 at that old hotel in Goldfield. You That's know, a I'm, totally interesting perspective. It's like, no, nah, I've never seen a ghost or a spirit, man, but it might just be because I'm busy. <laughs> Like, I've never heard anyone say that before. That's a really interesting idea. It's like, yeah, uh, if you're not so busy, maybe you do have more ghost problems, you know, because you can pay attention. Or and I know I know what you're saying. Like your your uh, your tuner isn't perhaps fr uh, tuned into that frequency because your mind is elsewhere. But it's an interesting take on it. Right. I, I got enough uh, stuff in my head already. You know, like uh, sanding or polishing or painting. You know, and what I've got to do next. You know, get something going. You know. Yeah, a little more practical uh, um, yeah. pursuits, should we say? Yeah, uh, you know, like right now I sell metal flakes, so that's that's my job. I'm a metal flake salesman. You know? Yeah, yeah. I the last car show I went to was in Detroit. And I 
uh, flew back on uh, March 1st, and I mean, there was no one on the plane. I go, whoa, something, something was happening. I knew then, but, you know, that uh, Detroit Autoram is a huge show. There was lots of people there, that, you know, tens of thousands of people. And, uh, you know, over that weekend, you know, I flew back and the plane was kind of empty. There was a row in front of me, a row behind me empty. And then after that, it was everything shut down. So I just been home a lot, you know, like everybody. And that's what I've been doing is sanding, you know. <laughs> yeah. Trying to stay in shape a little bit by sanding, uh, you know, block sanding. So, um, since, since getting back to the encounter thing, have you have you been bigfooting here in the United States or in North America at least since the time of your sighting? No, because I, you know, Cliff, I don't go out uh, looking for that. Um, you know, I, even though I do travel a lot, you know, I, I'm just not out looking for it. You know what I mean? Like sure. you guys do. So, like when I have a sighting, I just know, it, you know, what it's happening and. I can't believe Bobo's ever taken you out. What kind of friend is that? Yeah, I would like to go with both of you guys one time, but you know, like, <laughs> hey, and I know you guys are up, you are really in Squatchy territory where Bobo is. You know, that's yeah. where that museum is at, up by the Redwoods and stuff. Right. Cliff's yeah. got Cliff's got him on his in his uh, yard sometimes. But Cliff is up by Portland and outside of Portland in the forest, and he hasn't come through his property once in a while. Wow, that is outrageous. See, now that's where Dad always thought. That, you know, because when when it first came out, like, you know, in the newspapers, like, I don't know, you know, I don't know when dad saw it, probably in the 60s, because like I said, he always called it the missing link. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, link between man and, you know, something. What year was it that Jerry Crew knew what to do anyway, Bobo? 58. 58. See, so that's before that. But I guess in the 60s, again, it got real hot. And that's where they had the sightings in Oregon. And that's when dad decided to name that one car the missing link i would love to see robert williams paint what you guys saw that that'd be such a that'd be like that'd probably be the coolest bigfoot painting ever done oh yeah dude no doubt stay tuned for more bigfoot and beyond with cliff and bobo we'll be right back after these messages So you guys didn't talk about the setting much on the rest of that trip. It wasn't like you guys weren't just like, man, that was crazy. Like, what do you think that was? It was just you saw it and that was that. Well, we saw it and, you know, we're driving, in, you know, like I said, in the hot rod stuff. We asked the guys in the car behind us, but it wasn't like, you know, we made a big thing of it that that day because we, we were on our way to work. dude. You know, we were on our way to sit down, sign posters and, you know, uh, be there because it was a, it was a huge drag race, you know, at this old. Uh, place it wasn't like you know we had any time off they bring us stuff to eat and drink and then you know we were there probably from 10 to to three of course we talked about it on the way home but uh did he speculate what he thought it was did he you know like was there anything like that or is it just no it was like you know it was like joking around maybe wow what was that you know you know oh it was something you know we're just both going yeah it was something it wasn't nothing you know what I mean? It wasn't an animal. It wasn't, it didn't look like, you know, a deer walking upright or a bear, man, or nothing like that. You know, it was a creature. 
Yeah, so interesting because uh, you, I believe, are the only witness I've ever actually spoken to directly that has observed one of these things in uh, in, in Eastern Europe. I've read stories, and I, you know, I have a couple like written accounts and things like that have that have been sent to me. But it's so interesting to speak directly to the witness, and you know, I, I think people listening right now um, probably get the feeling like yeah, this dude's not lying. Like, because yeah, one of the neat things about you is that you kind of don't care. You know, um, and that, that's what that's one of the things about uh, hoaxers in general. Hoaxers really want you to believe them, and they push really hard, and it's, it, they try to make a bigger deal out of it than perhaps it is. But at the end of the day, my general impression is that yeah, you saw it; it was cool. But so, yeah. Well, you know, it is cool, but and and the thing is, but on the soap part, clip is this: is it like, uh, you know, the thing is, I'm sure that everyone's going to see one sooner or later. So, like, even if you went around saying, telling everyone and tried to shove it down their throat, hey, I saw a Bigfoot, man, I know they're for real. I don't have to do that because I'm pretty sure that everyone at one point, you know, if you're not in the big city, you're going to see something that -hmm. you can't explain. And it surely looks like the Bigfoot or the missing link from an organ in the 60s. That's just the way it is. I don't know, Daddy. There's a lot of people their whole lives that I've never seen one. They're in the wrong place, you know. They're living in downtown <laughs> New Orleans or something, you know. You're, I doubt you're going to see them, like, hanging out in the big cities. Like, you know, and that's where a lot of people live, Bobo. So, but you got people out in the country, of course. I would say that's where most of the sightings are because that's where he's hanging out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, cool, daddy That was a great interview. We appreciate you taking the time and coming on with us. When I come up there, you know, hopefully if I, you know, the shows open back up and get going again. I was going to do custom culture in May in uh, Dusseldorf, but that's all called off. But, you know, hopefully, you know, we can start driving around the United States again and I'll get up to see you guys. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it'd be great. You, you always, you're always welcome at the museum. I'd love to see you again. Well, thanks a lot, Cliff. Thanks a lot, folks. All right, man. Take it easy. Be cool, baby. All right. I have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess that's a, a wrap for this week, huh? I think so. I think this is a good one. I'm excited about it. Okay, Cliff, say hi to Mel for me and hang tough. And everyone out there, stay safe, stay healthy. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, thanks for tuning in, people. Until next time, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 